I tell you what, I never get over baptizing people. It's just, it's the best thing. It is just the coolest thing. I've baptized so many people and I never get over it. Uh, baptism, uh, communion, uh, marrying people. And, and this is, and this is even maybe a little bit odd to say, but, but burying people, you never get over it as a pastor. This is the work you, you put your hands to and you just, you never get over it. It's, it's wonderful. It makes all the other garbage worth it. So, so I was, <laughs> all right. Hey, uh, we're going to do some stuff this morning. By now you've probably seen my little slide. Do you like this picture I put up this morning? I Googled 1950s classroom. Uh, can anyone in the room associate with this? Brother Morris? Is it? Just trying to just trying to connect with the. There we go. But isn't this cool? I like that they all have their like little music books and they're just they're so ready. Anyway, what we're going to do this morning is I want to talk to you just for a few moments, and then we're going to do some stuff. Is that all right? We're going to do some stuff every every so often. We just have to stir this room up and we have to get out of rows and columns and we have to do stuff. Uh, it's real important. Uh, but before we uh, get there. I, I, I want to start with this. I want to start by asking you guys some questions. An interaction is a good thing uh, this morning, so feel free to answer. Uh, first thing I want to talk to you guys about, or ask rather, is this. H- how do you learn? Hands-on. Reading. Hands-on. How, how do you learn? Read. I'm sorry? Listening. Listening. Experience. Experience. Watching. Doing mistakes, mistakes. What did you say? Uh, YouTube. That's 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 what I put down. That was the second thing I have down on my notes is YouTube. How how many of you guys have? How many of you guys or gals have needed to do something and gone on YouTube and watched someone? Yeah. Recently, uh, Heather says to me, we sort of like remodeled our kitchen, and. There's some lights in our kitchen, and they were like, just put your eyes out bright. And she says, I want a dimmer. And if you, any of you guys know me, I'm not handy. It's not what I'm good at. And Heather bought these dimmers from Lowe's, and she brings them home. She sets them on the counter, and I'm thinking, just text Richard. Like, you know. <laughs> but I don't know. Something came over me, and I, I got this idea that I should do it. So I just got on YouTube, and I watched a guy, like, do the dimmer switch thing, and I, and I did it. And I didn't even, like, shock myself or blow the house apart. Yeah, yeah. So YouTube, listening, watching, experience, mistakes. How else do you learn? Other people's actions. That's from the. That's from the. Maybe one of the smallest people in the room. Yeah. Have we left anything off of the list? Is this how you really learn? Do we, are we all in agreement about what we've just talked about? Yeah, I think so. I think that's right. Now, um, think about all the ways we've just talked about learning. If, if you had to take that list that we just shouted in the room here, if you had to take that list, if you had to dilute it, or if you had to concentrate it, rather, down to one way, what is the very best way to learn? Tamara? Doing it. Does everybody agree that doing it is the best way to learn? Whatever it is. Yeah. 
I totally agree. We've talked about a lot of different ways, and we agree that doing it is the best way to learn. Hands-on. Well, you might be asking, well, why does this matter at all? Well, I think this matters because learning is about transformation. Learning is about transformation. And in fact, you can almost use those two words interchangeably. You can almost use the words learning and transformation interchangeably. When you talk about learning, if you're talking about real learning, um, you're, you're talking about not just studying for the test. How many of you are good test takers and you can, you can pass a test and get an A and, and realize that when you leave the classroom, you, you still didn't know anything? This is the story of my life. I went through high school and college. I never studied. I, I can just take tests really good. I'm a good test taker. I could walk out of a classroom and get 100 on something and know nothing. And that's a special skill. But real learning, real learning is ultimately about transformation. We're to, and here at church, we're talking about the transformation of a person. Uh, this is also why uh, this fact that learning and transformation can almost be used interchangeably. This is why if you listen to politicians and thinkers and people who are concerned with social issues, if you listen to them talk about how to change something, what's the first thing they almost always bring up? Education. Why? Because instinctively we know that learning is basically the same thing as transformation. If you listen to cultural shapers talk, anytime they pick up a social issue, they almost always first talk about, we need to bolster education, right? And I actually agree. Um, and here's the thing. Uh, simply doing more of what, we, what already isn't working is not the answer, but, but transformation really is about learning, right? Uh, now, this stuff matters because, because people need transformation. Anybody in the room need transformation? I need transformation. So what it really means is that you and I need to learn some things more deeply. Um, not only that, but you and I were designed with the capacity to change. Now, this is really important for us to get, get a hold of here this morning. Um, uh, people are people, but at the same time, uh, people are extremely malleable meaning that you can be formed and you can be shaped. You, you change so much over the course of your life. Uh, just the other day, I was thinking about the fact that my very own mother is a person who has a cell phone and texts and also does social media stuff with her iPad. Does anybody... Does it, how many of you all know my mom? How many of you are amazed by what I just said? I am too, and that's no slam on her. But I cannot believe Evelyn has a cell phone and can te- regularly texts me. like, and, and she has an iPad, and she does social media stuff. And it's not like my mom is ancient, but she was born, she was born at a particular time in history. <laughs> when, when this idea, when these ideas that we're talking about and just take for granted now in 2015, they weren't even a possibility. They weren't even, they weren't even a thought in anyone's brain. And not only that, but my mom's personality is... She's not an early adopter. We'll put it that way. Right? I am an early adopter. I'm the guy, like, if something new happens, I'll just, you know, I'll pay three times more to have the new version of it rather than wait six months and get it. You know what I mean? That's me. But that's not who my mom is. And my mom is now the, a person who texts me all the time. Like, not only that, but my dad won't even call me. He only texts. Meaning... 
the, the point here is that people are wonderfully malleable and open to change and learning things. Uh, so even texting and social media, it is, it is forming us and it is forming us relationally. Do we see that? Even the way we communicate and whatnot. So even the way that families do the family orbit thing is being changed by technology and what we learn and we're being transformed by it. It's amazing. People are radically, radically formable. Really formable. Now, learning or transformation uh, ultimately comes by a holistic blend of listening, reading, and being instructed uh, with hands-on experience. Uh, it, it, it's never one or the other. It's always both and. Here's, here's something I've, I've noticed. Maybe you'll agree. Uh, people who listen or read without doing, they only have theories. Right? We all kind of know that. People who read or watch or listen, but they don't do, all that person really has is a theory. They don't, they don't really know it yet. But here's the other part. Uh, people who do without listening or reading usually have trouble articulating what they know. Have you noticed that? See, it's not one or the other. See, a lot of times what you'll see is you usually find two camps. You find one camp that wants to read and talk and, and, and watch and talk about what they know, but really all they have is theories, and it's not plugged into how do, how do we actually make it work in real life. But then you have some practitioners, and the practitioners oftentimes really do know something, but because they haven't read, thought, watched, and, and, and applied themselves out here in this other area, they're in some ways unable to articulate it, and it's not transferable. How many of you... Have you ever been around someone who is a master practitioner and you watch them and you realize this is a master at work and then when you ask them, hey, can you tell me about that? They just... And it becomes really... Have you ever watched someone who is incredible at what they do and when you watch them do what they do, it's inspiring and if you watch closely, you can learn a thing, but as soon as they talk about it, it becomes uninspiring? What, when, when that happens, what you're, what you're encountering is someone who is a practical who is a practical master, but who has not read, who has not listened, who has not watched, and cannot articulate. It's, can we, do we all agree that you need both? So you need to read, you need to write, you need to watch, you need to absorb, you need to sit under someone. Part of learning is, is sitting under someone. But then you, you also need to do. And if you're a doer, you need, you need the other side. We, we need this. Okay. Now, by now, you've probably realized that uh, this is church and not an educational theory class. Uh, which is good, because I'm not qualified to teach an educational theory class. could probably pass the test. <laughs> I still know nothing. Um, I- I'm bringing it up this morning because the church is, is meant to be a transformation agent. That's, that's what church is. Church is like this family... Of transformation. It's like you're in and you're changing. Uh, the church is the place where, where people can come and be healed and set free. Amen? But, but that, that definition never sits well with me. The church is a place where people can be healed and be set free. But that's not the end game. The end game is this. The church is the place where people can be healed and be set free. And then the people who are healed turn around and become healers. And the people who are set free become distributors of freedom. And until you do that, we don't have a real church. 
We've got to learn how to be transformers. More than meets the eye. Just like, it wasn't in my notes. I'm just saying that. And it's like, have you seen that weirdo? on YouTube who like dresses up like a transformer and he like gets down and rolls what's the matter with him did his daddy not hug him when he was little like (laughs) I don't know um yeah the church is the place where we where we get healed and we get set free but it's not just that if you've been healed it's time to heal somebody. If you've been set free, it's time to help somebody get free. That's what the church is. Uh, not only that, but if you're not changing, if you're not changing, I want you to hear me this right now. If you are not changing, something's wrong. If you are not changing, something is wrong. The grace of God is not just forgiveness. It's the energy to live a completely different kind of life. If you have not changed in five years, if you have the same sin issues now that you had five years ago, if you're basically the same person with the same thoughts, with the same worldview, doing the same stuff, voting the same way, hanging out with the same people, something is wrong. Something is wrong. You were made to change, and the church is this transformation agent. Basically, if you're not changing, what it means is you've become arrogant and prideful and have stopped being a learner. Let's just put it that way. Boom. Now, I do need to say this. In the church, uh, we don't change to get loved or to get accepted. Uh, Rather, we're so loved and so accepted that change is the natural outgrowth. Love and acceptance are the soil that our new lives grow from. And if you're basically the same person that you were a few years ago, your roots are not in this soil of love and acceptance. Here's how the world is set up. The world is set up like this. You get paid for your performance, meaning if you're a good performer, good reward. But the kingdom of God is like this. You just get paid. I mean, Jesus' parables, look, if you, have, if you have a this world mindset, Jesus' parables are just scrambling your eggs all the time. One of my favorite parables that Jesus tells goes like this. There's this guy, and he had, he had a vineyard, and he hired some guys to help him harvest the vineyard. And he hired some guys that morning, and he saw that he was going to need some help, so he went back out, and he hired some guys at noon. And then he saw that this wasn't going to get it done, and so he hired some more guys at 3 And then this wasn't going to get done. And so he hired some more guys like an hour before it was going to be done. And at the end of the day, he has everybody line up and the master goes and pays everyone the same. How many of you all like that parable? Everybody just gets paid. And by the way, the pay is the same. And some of us are having a hard time with that. And part of what Jesus is saying is, if you're the kind of person who's still counting and thinking that, your definition of fairness should apply to his kingdom, then you might not be fit for his kingdom. That's part of what he's saying. In this world, you get paid for performance. You could perform a good reward. In God's kingdom, you just get paid. And by the way, Jesus never says how much they got paid. I like to think that they got paid just like crazy. You, just, you get paid like crazy. We're just accepted. The soil of God's kingdom is so rich for growing stuff. 
See, we go to school to learn how to read and to write and do math. But I think that God is inviting us into his grace school to learn how to cooperate with his love. How many of you have ever considered this? We all know that when you go to school, you go to school to learn how to, to read and to write and to do math. How many of you understand that when you come to church, one of the things that's happening is we should be receiving a, a, a formational education that teaches us how to cooperate with his love? How many of you have ever thought about this? That, that in the same way you need to go to school and learn things, uh, you need to come into God's kingdom and learn things. You, you need formation. Like it's free, he's just freely accepting people, and you've got to learn how to deal with that. Now, I want to talk to you a little deeper about that. See, uh, it works in God's kingdom in a, in a lot of the same ways that it works like in the regular world. See, education is not about making something new or developing a new principle, even when it looks like that. How many of you all understand that when, when people come and they start talking to other people about new principles, they're really not talking about new principles? How many of you understand there is no new principle? There's just the way the world works and someone is able to articulate what seems like mystery to someone else. Some people see mystery. Other people see an obvious explanation. Does this make sense? So really what education is, it is about showing people the way the world really works. Everything we call new, the universe calls normal. Does this make sense? When scientists discover something new, the universe laughs and goes, that's normal. Einstein's theory of relativity, when he put that together, the universe laughed and said, I've been doing that for years. Like I'm going to come out with my new book. It's not new. It's just we saw mystery for years. When Sir Isaac Newton got hit in the head with an apple, like some people saw mystery and he saw gravity for the first time, Right? It's a really big deal. Uh, everything we call revelation in the church, in the church, everything we call revelation, God calls Tuesday. It ain't, it's not new. Like in heaven, no one's surprised by the things that we're surprised by. You know, right now I'm taking this class at school on Reformation and church history. You know, in about you know, 500, 500, 600 years ago, people got real excited about this idea of, you know, Grace by, you know, grace by faith, like Luther got all wound up. And a lot of stuff happened, and God was sitting in heaven going, yeah? So it isn't about making something new, it's about realizing what's really there. Learning is mostly about waking up to reality, and learning is, about, is mostly a discovery of what was already there, and Learning is about articulating what was once a mystery. Some people see mystery. Other people know that it's gravity. And so here's what I'm concerned with. I'm concerned that we become students of Jesus. Isn't that right, P. Ray? Yes, sir. I'm, I'm stealing P. Ray's phrase. Students of Jesus? That ain't me. That's him. I'm concerned that us, guys, I'm concerned that we become students of Jesus. It's no accident that every one of the disciples that followed Jesus did all the stuff that he did. Even Judas. Now, this is... This is both comforting and highly disturbing. All of the disciples did every single thing that Jesus did. All the disciples healed the sick. All the disciples kicked out devils. All the disciples cleansed lepers. All the disciples released people from oppression. All the disciples, 
anything you see Jesus did, the disciples did. Unbelievable. Up to and including Judas. Now that's comforting because it includes Judas. And it's freaked me out scary because it includes Judas. It's comforting because there's no prerequisite other than being humble enough to be with Jesus and to learn from him. It's scary because you can do some of Jesus' stuff and still be an untransformed person. So when I talk about transformation here at the vineyard, and when I'm talking about being a student of Jesus, we're talking about doing the things that Jesus does, but we're also simultaneously always talking about getting Jesus' heart. Doing what he does, but being a transformed person, even in the heart. That way, you're not someone who's pretty powerful with a Judas heart. Oh man, the last thing we need is people who can do Jesus' stuff with a Judas heart. By the way, you know, I mean, think on this for a second here now. Uh, the guys were out healing the sick. Judas is there, and he's going to sell Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. That can't be us. And it's possible. You can see miracles. You can see miracles and not love Jesus. You can do miracles and not love Jesus. So anytime we talk about doing this stuff, we're always talking about getting his heart. Getting his heart. And so when we talk about entering God's school of grace, we mean the holistic passage. Learning how to let the character of Christ take root in our heart and learning how to walk in the power of God. And I want to read one scripture here to us real quick because there is a great picture of what this looks like. Let's put up our scripture. Look at this. This is from 1 John. I want you to remember the scene of like the Last Supper painting. Where, where is John in the Last Supper painting? To the left, on his chest, right? John's always on his left. Peter's always on his right. Always. John is to his left, laying on his chest. And many years after he has seen Jesus crucified, buried, dead, raised, ascended, he writes this. He says, That which was from the beginning which we have heard and which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon. That phrase looked upon means studied intently. And which we have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest and we have seen it and we testify to it and proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. We'll stop right there. Why am I talking about this scripture this morning? I'm putting this scripture up this morning because one of the things I see here is a disciple of Jesus who is writing a letter to his church and in doing so, in the course of basically two verses, is giving us a really great template of what it means to be a student of Jesus in his holistic school of love and grace. How do you learn things in God's kingdom? How do you learn things in God's kingdom? Here's how you learn things in God's kingdom. You hear them first. You see them, you look upon them, you touch them, and then you proclaim them. How many of you understand that most of the church has heard some stuff? Very little of the church has seen anything. I would go so far as to say this. Most of the church has heard some stuff, and most of what they heard is, sus is actually suspect. Almost no, almost no part of the church has seen anything. And even, even smaller portion, portions of the church church has even touched anything 
which is why our proclamations and our messages are so anemic and impotent. Does this make sense? How many of you you have ever been around someone who proclaimed something and you realized they didn't know what they were talking about? Isn't that disconcerting? Isn't that disconcerting? I think John is holding out something to us. That the church should be a place where we hear things, but it should also be a place where we see stuff, and it should definitely be a place where we come in and we touch it. And by the way, he is not being metaphoric here. He is being specific and actual. In the church, you have got to get your hands on people. You've got to get hands on on you. You've got to get with people. You've got to touch people. You've got to get down in the dirt. You've got to get right where they are. You've got to get into their life. You've got to get your hands filled with something. You have to lay your hands on something. You've got to have people with you before you ever get to talk about anything. I think it's an instructive way. I think it's an instructive way. Uh, My dream here at the Vineyard is that every single one of us would be proclaimers, but we'd be proclaimers who have gone through the steps of hearing, seeing, and touching first, and that we would never be people who are talking about things that we have never seen or touched. That we would never be people who are talking about things that we have only heard of. See, that's, that's the, I think this is the main problem in the church all over the world, is that it is filled with pastors and believers who have heard some stuff and are talking about things they've heard but they've never seen and never touched. The kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of the heavens is, hear something, let your hearing show you something, let your showing allow you to touch something, and from the place of experience, actual tactile touching, hearing, seeing, let, it, let your message come from that place. Meaning, you are qualified to talk about what you have heard, seen, and touched only. Does this make sense? Now, the question is, what are we qualified to talk about? Well, here's what I'm, I'm qualified to talk about. I've seen every single miracle in the New Testament except for the dead people getting up. That's the only thing I haven't seen. And I won't talk about that until I do. And I actually do believe that we're going to see that. So let's just put the cards out on the table. I have seen uh, lame people who could not walk uh, get, their, get their legs strengthened. And, it, and it, it, it happened in Brazil. There was a guy who was in a wheelchair. And it wasn't one of those fake guys in a wheelchair. We're talking about a guy in a wheelchair. He had been in some kind of an auto accident and had some kind of a thing happen in his spine. And his legs did not work and hadn't worked for about five years, if I remember right. And uh, there was a group of people and they prayed for this gentleman. And they, and they didn't pray for him a little bit. They prayed for him for three hours. They just prayed for him for three hours. He could feel warmth coming in his legs. And after three hours, he got up and he walked out of there and he left his wheelchair. I've seen it. I've seen it. Been there. You know, I've seen blind eyes open. I've seen deaf ears open. I've, I've seen tumors in people's brains shrink and go to nothing. I've seen people who were atheists and agnostic come to believe God. I've seen people who were far away from them get brought in. I've seen drug addicted, nobody losers come in and find a family and get changed. This is the stuff that we can talk about. Until you see it, hear it, touch it, that's where you have the message. That's where the juice is. What is God releasing us to talk about? What we've heard, seen, and touched. That's where the juice is. And so what we need, what we need is every single time we come together, this is a time for us to have fun. This is a time for us to reconnect at a relational level. This is a time for us to reconnect at a spiritual level. This is a time for us to love God and to feel His love. But it's also a time for us to move into lab and to begin to hear, see, and touch so we can have something to say.
if that makes sense. Here's my dream. My dream is that uh, we as a church would be a place where everyone knows how to pray for the sick, give prophetic encouragement, extend grace and mercy, care for the least and the lost, and tell others about Jesus. This is my dream for us at the church. This is my dream. Not just that the pastor would do this. My dream is that we would all do this. Uh, The truth is, if I'm the only one doing it, we ain't a church. We're like, we're a 501c3, and we're, we're making decent money. That's all we are. But if, if we start doing this, everybody, then we become a church. Uh, my dream is that not only would we be able, but we would be willing. This is also another thing. And I think this is where we're at right now at the vineyard. Uh, Jesus was not just able to do these things. He was willing. One of my favorite scriptures is in the first chapter of Mark. Jesus is beginning his ministry. And this guy who has leprosy comes up to him. And by the way, the, guy, the leprosy guy is breaking all the rules, right? Because leprosy guy is ceremonially unclean. He's so unclean that anytime, if you have leprosy in, in ancient Israel, you, had to, you, you couldn't come to town. And if you did come to town for anything, you had to yell out and let everybody know that you were, you were unclean. How, how would you like to do that? Can you imagine the shame this guy wore? So when he even came close to town, he had to yell out, Unclean! Unclean! Get away! Get away! Leprosy guy! Anyway, leprosy guy eventually gets fed up with this. And somehow, we don't know how, Somehow he hears about Jesus and that Jesus is a healer and he breaks all of the rules. He breaks all of the rules. When we read it, it, it doesn't hit us the way it would have hit the first century church. And, and it doesn't hit us the way it would have hit ancient Israel if you'd grown up in that culture. Leprosy God gets tired of crying out all the time and he does not cry out. And he runs up and he finds Jesus and, he, and it says he falls at his feet. And he says, I know you can heal me if you're willing. And Jesus looks at the guy, and it's an amazing story. Jesus looks at the guy, and there's echoes of this in it. There's echoes of the scripture up here in it. Jesus looks at the guy, and it says he touched him. How many of you understand, this is probably the first time this guy's been touched by anybody who didn't have leprosy in years. Basically, Jesus is saying, again, it's like baptism. Jesus doing things he doesn't have to do. It's always who Jesus is. Jesus is saying, I'll become ceremonially unclean with you. I'm willing and as soon as he says, I'm willing, the guy is cleansed. It's an amazing, amazing scripture. You've got to hear things. You've got to see things. You've got to touch things. I'm willing. Uh, my dream for us as a church is that we would be a church who doesn't just know how to do all this stuff, doesn't just know how to make some things happen, doesn't just know how to do but we'd be actually willing. Because here's the tough thing about being willing. Uh, being willing means uh, being inconvenienced. This is the, the big thing uh, as soon as you want to start living the jesus life it, it really means you're going to be really inconvenienced because everybody who needs a miracle everybody who needs the love and the kindness of god everybody who needs a breakthrough in the kingdom is ultimately an inconvenient person you think i'm joking no get around some broken people they will wreck your schedule Broken people never call at 3 in the afternoon. Broken people always call at 11.30 when you're in bed. And you start getting Facebook messages. Ding, 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 ding. My dream is that we would be a church who has learned and who has been transformed by all this stuff. But all the way down into the center of our hearts that the character of Jesus would grow. And we would not just be able, but we'd be willing. I hope you can hear that. See, part of what we're growing into is a community of people 
who learn and who are being transformed and who are willing to be inconvenienced. So here's what we're going to do this morning. Uh, we've had lecture now for 25 or 30 minutes. Now we're going to do lab. Is that all right? Uh, also, we need lots of just, we're going to do some interaction here. And we just need, in order for this to work, I need you guys to be honest. And I need you to be willing to move out of your chairs. Is that okay? Is that a decent contract? I'm going to say some stuff. I need you all to be honest and to be willing to move out of your chairs. Can we at least be that inconvenienced? This is, this, this, is this, this is the lowest level of inconvenience you will ever have to deal with. This is it. All right. Um, we're going to do some more of this next week as well. We're going to do some like prophetic ministry kind of stuff next week. But this week, we're going to, we're going to pray for broken people. Um, and here's what I need you to be honest about this morning. Um, is there anybody in the room who is sick in your body or is dealing with pain? All right. Sick in your body and dealing with pain. Put your hand up. There we go. All right. We're going to pray for these people. All right. Uh, second group of people. Uh, who, who in here is having financial issues? And we'll just leave it that generic. Financial issues. Finan- There's some financial issues. Yeah, look, man. We ain't being honest here. That's about... <laughs> I, I need you to be honest. And I need you to be willing to move. All right. And then third. Who is experiencing relational insanity? These are the three things I felt like God wanted to touch this morning. Relational insanity. Uh, Is anybody in the room uh, got the trifecta? (laughs) I'm sorry. If you've got the trifecta, we're going to, we're going to, I don't know, we're going to put the mojo on you. We're going to get the, if you, if you're experiencing the trifecta, we're going to have the kids pray for you. Yeah, so here's what we're going to do. If you're sick. And by sick, I mean like if your body's not working. I'm not, you know, you don't have to be ready to go to the hospital. But if, you're, if you've been to the doctor or you're going to the doctor, if there's something that's driving you bananas, we want to pray for it. Um, if you are experiencing financial issues or if you're going through relational insanity, we want to pray for you. Um, why don't we do this? If any of those are you, why don't y'all come up here? Come on. We're going to come on up. I don't think we got a ton. Let's just come on up front. Yeah, come on, pain people. All right. Good. Thank you guys for being honest. This is wonderful. All right. Here's what we're going to do. Rest of the church, we're going we're gonna to do some praying. Um, who in here knows how to pray for people? Like you've been through training, you know how to pray for people. All right, I want you to come up and get by one of these people. We're going to, this is the school of healing prayer. All right. Who in here has no idea what in the world we're doing? Who has no clue? I just realized this, this is not, okay. Wow, this is wild. All right, here's what we're going to do. Man, we can spread out. Let's just use the whole thing here. Just spread out. Let's find a place. Just spread out. Don't get in the, don't get in the water. All right. All right, here's what I want you to do. All right, people who know how to pray for people. Will you put your hand back up? People who know how to pray for people. All right, rest of you people, if you want, this is not, I'm, I'm not going to twist your arm, but this is the part where, you know, you got to be willing and work with me. If you want to learn how to pray for people and help, 
Find one of these people and go and help them. This is, this is where we're just starting to learn. So come on up. If you want to do this, come on, come on, Sadie. Come on, you, gotta, you have to. You're an intern. Yeah. All right, if we need to spread out, we can spread out. All right, it's okay. Church is not supposed to be this super stuffy thing. All right. All right, all right, before you start praying, all right, listen to Pastor Adam one more time. All right. Here's what I want. The people who know how to pray for the sick, I want you to just kind of guide this thing. And I know it's going to be a little bit awkward. That's okay. We love awkward. Like, everybody loves The Office, right? Whole TV shows have been based on the principle of awkwardness. But what we want to do here is we want people who know how to pray to pray, but we also want people who have never prayed for someone who's sick. We want them to do it, all right? Put your hands on somebody appropriately. Just show them what's going on. And then pray for the sick. So uh, if you need to... Does anybody here still need to get with somebody? Like, come on in, come on in. Don't don't be shy. Come on in. All right. And you're released. All right, pray for people. Pray for people. And the meeting is officially over. So we're just going to pray. Take your time. Wonderful. Hey, Lindsay. Hey, come over here. Come in here. Come in here. Get in here. James, come over here. These, these are like super skilled. They're, 